eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I'd just say we're a little queasy. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show featuring Merrick Brave, our fake ass doctor, because it's Wednesday. Before I introduce the dudes, I got to say, very, very sorry to our listeners out there. We missed the Monday show. Real, real world stuff got in the way, but but let's be honest here. Let's, let's look each other in the mirror and say, did we really want to sit here and talk about the Jets game on Monday? And that's, I think, how I'm going to open the door. Joshua House, Merrick Brave, how we doing, fellas? I, I figured you guys just skipped Monday because we were in mourning as a fan base. We can go, go with that, but it was actually my uh, seven-year wedding anniversary, so it, you can hey. put the blame on me. You can put the blame on me for us not having a podcast, but um, hopefully, you know, we can get through this because it was a tough outing. But you know, there were some good things, right, guys? And that, that's kind of the key here, right? We we can't lose the trees in the forest. We have to look at the big picture here. And despite losing to the Jets is the most miserable thing in the world, despite the fact that week five literally ended in the trash can with the Jets losing, or excuse me, the Jets scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter. Today, Wednesday is probably the happiest I felt in a little while. We got players returning to the field, but I mean, I, I think we should start. I think we should take our medicine. My parents, they used to, we used to have these really tall speakers next to our TV. Uh, they were like six feet tall. And my mom would always put me on top of the speaker to take my medicine because there was nowhere I could go. 
So guys, I'm going to put you on top of that speaker. We're going to talk about this Jets game. And we're going to start right at the beginning because the wheels fell off on literally the first play of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wrote about it uh, in a column on the Finsider this week. But uh, after Teddy went down with a non-concussion, which, oh my God, seriously, it had to happen to the Dolphins, didn't it? Uh, this this whole concussion rule got changed because of the Dolphins, because of Tua Tungabailoa and his uh, concussion slash non-concussion against the Bills, and then definite concussion four days later against the Bengals. We all saw that. No, uh, no doubt that that one was a legitimate concussion. But because of all the hoopla surrounding that situation, the concussion protocol gets changed. And sure as hell, the first team that is affected by that change is the Miami Dolphins. When Teddy Bridgewater... Uh, gets hit on the first offensive play for the Dolphins. Uh, and somebody, somewhere, a spotter with binoculars, uh, somewhere hidden in a secret There was layer. a second spotter. Yeah. Fireman and, Ed. And MetLife, yeah, that's exactly probably who it was. Uh, he he sees Teddy Bridgewater supposedly stumble on his way to his feet. But, I mean, that vidder, video is out there on Twitter. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Uh, everyone listening has probably seen it. And, I didn't see a stumble. I, I'm not sure where that was coming from. I didn't see a stumble. It doesn't seem like anybody else saw a stumble either. But because of this phantom stumble, the new rule states that that player must be removed from the game, whether or not they had a concussion. It was later confirmed that he did not have a concussion. So he leaves the game and we're left with a rookie seventh round quarterback playing the rest of the game. Uh, during a week where he probably didn't get very many QB1 reps in practice, if any at all. Uh, and shortly after that, we lose Teron Armstead. And once you're down your left tackle, your right tackle, your starting cornerback or starting quarterback, your backup quarterback, your two starting cornerbacks that make up 20% of your cap space anyway, uh, it was going to be tough sledding no matter what. And, uh, you know, kudos to, to Skylar for keeping it close late. And kudos to that defense for for doing everything they could. But just like uh, when Xavier left the Bengals game, no Xavier, no Byron, uh, no chance. The dam's broke in the fourth quarter, 21 points, and that was all she wrote. Dolphins are three and two. Yeah, it all spiraled out of control from that very first play. Like you guys mentioned, Sauce Gardner coming in untouched. I did not see no wobble. I think he's still in concussion protocol despite, you know, not having any concussion symptoms. So um, there's definitely some, you know, things that got to adjust with this. But um, isn't it that so Dolphins that it would affect us, you know, a week after having Skylar Thompson going to this game? I know a lot of people are putting this loss on him. I mean, he was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You know, we kind of all hyped him up in the preseason. I think, you know, I probably even wrote an article, you know, if he keeps playing like this, could he be pushing Teddy Bridgewater for that quarterback two spot. You know, once two went down, I don't think there was any question that Teddy was the right guy for the job. But Skyler had no reps, like you said, with the first team. You know, he probably did not throw a pass to Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. You know, how many, how often ever maybe that? Yeah, yeah, ever maybe. And he gets thrown into this game first action. I mean, uh, he kept things afloat. You know, there was some. He had a nice throw to Mike Kosicki down the seam. He had one to Tanner Connor that was dropped. You know, he did have some nice he did make some nice throws, but for the most part, I mean, that was an ugly performance. And like Mike McDaniel said today during his presser, he said, if that was the worst we saw, you know, in that situation being thrown in there with no first team reps, um, you know, you should feel pretty damn confident knowing that you can play up to your standards moving forward. So um, it looks like we'll, I mean, we'll get into it later. It looks like he's starting this game, but um, we all had promised, you know, we were all thinking the Skyler was limited preseason. Uh, why not keep on this high horse and ride it high? But there was no way he was coming into that Jets game with all those injuries, like you mentioned. The biggest to me now being Teron Armstead sounds like he met a specialist in New York, 
flew back home, I believe. But I mean, that was your big money left tackle that you wanted to have in there, you know, throughout the season. And we're five games into the, you know, the season and he's been in and out of the pre- the injury report. Um, it, it definitely sucks. And then Xavier Howard, he does sound like he'll be back, but um, I'm spotting out of control there. It was just a sad, sad day. And it was ended up being a what, 40 to 17 loss for the Dolphins. To kind of pull it back here to Teddy Bridgewater on that first play, it kind of seems like we're in a situation where the process, there, there's clearly something wrong, but but they're looking for the right results, right? And the right result isn't about identifying concussions. It's simply players being safe, right? The whole thing about Tua on Thursday night wasn't that he had a concussion. It's we'd rather be super safe than, uh, you know, just kind of go with what we have now. Uh, so I think that's kind of the issue. And I think we can't just say player safety. We have to do it. And it's unfortunate. It's what a week after the Tua's concussion, which kind of magnifies everything. But I think we're going to start seeing this more and more where there's going to be situations where we're like, what on earth is happening? Uh, we can see from our 1080p, TVs that are players look fine, but I don't think that's really ever going to be enough, especially if the NFLPA, you know, preaching the player's safety, you've got to see the actions. It's not just about the words. I do want to say, you know, everyone's in an uproar about Teddy being kicked out of the game. My uproar. How the hell is that a safety? How on earth do you call that a safety when his arm is clearly being hit? He's clearly looking at the receiver and the ball goes a different way while he's hit. What are we doing here? This is like on par with Ben Roethlisberger fumbling the ball into the end zone. Like, come on, we need some common sense on at least things like this. If we are going to have this, you know, thousand grades of shade when it comes to injury. And not even just his arm moving forward, but I felt like Durham Smythe was in the area anyways. It hit like yep. two, two feet away from... Durham Smythe's legs, like, regardless, any way you slice it, whether there was a receiver in the area or his arm was hit on the pass, that's not intentional grounding. So I think it was just a lot of factors combined into one that had a lot of Dolphins fans on Twitter these last couple of days wondering, is there some giant conspiracy theory against the Miami Dolphins <laughs> right now to pay us back for, for all of the negative Attention! The Dolphins brought to the NFL with the the Tua concussion non concussion situation against the the Bills, and then having him get knocked out against the Bengals and have that fencing response uh, that certainly brought a lot of negative attention to the Dolphins as well and the NFL just for being like we talked about last week an inherently violent sport. So, I guess my big qualm with them pulling Teddy from the game uh, after not ex- exhibiting a stumble on the way up is the fact that that rule needs to be policed consistently across the league. And even in this very game, we saw Braxton Berrios diving for the end zone, take a mm-hmm. big hit from Javon Holland. And he stayed down on a knee for what felt like 45 seconds to a solid minute before getting up. And he was not forced to leave the game. So apparently if you're feeling woozy, all you have to do is lay on the ground or, or take a knee for as long as you need and as long as you don't stumble on the way up or as long as a local athletic trainer from the home team's city doesn't see you stumble on the way up, then you're good to go. But I don't know. To me, there's too many shades of gray with that because what happens if you take a big hit and you sprain your ankle? And when you go to stand up, you stumble because your ankle hurts. What happens if you get hit in the ribs and you have – you have a sore rib when you, and you go to stand up and it, and you've you've got the wind knocked out of you and you can't take your feet properly or if you took a shot to the back that leaves you feeling a little wobbly these aren't game ending injuries these are just normal bumps and bruises that a player would take 
in any NFL game because it is a violent sport. Last I checked, you have to tackle a player to the ground for him to be down. Most of the time, you can stop progress, whatever. But unless you're going to turn this into a two-hand touch or a flag football league, then you have to understand that you're going to get hit hard and they need to understand that players are going to get hit hard. So I hate the new rule, uh, you know, bias because I'm a Dolphins fan and it affected us, but I don't understand why the spotter can't just say, oh, hey, I saw a little wobble. Let's get this guy checked out. And if the doctor, the medical professional says no concussion, then there's no concussion. If we're not going to listen to the doctors, then why are they even on the sideline in the first place? And that's the biggest thing to me. I mean, when I first saw that, the way he fell, his shoulder kind of hit, and then his head, I immediately thought, you know, the league's going to look into this. I mean, what, four days after everything that went on? I mean, so I really did not have any issue with, at the time, them saying, okay, maybe Teddy has a concussion. Let's take him into the tent. But at that point, if he's not showing any symptoms, and now, I mean, you're only relying on a stumble, which, I mean, I, I don't want to say that there's a conspiracy against the Dolphins, but did anybody see that stumble? I mean, there's close-up of him. I saw no stumble. He was no in stumble. the huddle until they ended up calling it a, um, you know, calling it grounding. So um, I am all for player safety, 100%. I thought Teddy did hit his head. I thought maybe he should be looked at. But, um, it again, it didn't seem like they were going to even – take a notice to him until they ended up rolling that grounding. And then he went over the sideline. So um, it sucks. It impacted the dolphins. Hopefully they can tweak this moving forward, but it might not be until a uh, Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow goes Tom down Brady. in a playoff game until, you know, they shit. Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady. Game. Exactly. Yep. That rough. I mean, how many roughing calls we've seen since Tua got his head spiked off the ground. And people have told me that that shouldn't even have been a roughing the passer. I mean, there just needs to be consistency across the league. And now if you're bringing these spotters into things, like you mentioned, hometown, whatever it is, I mean, they got to be, one point and they got to be right in their calls or you know they're going to be under the microscope like we're seeing here merrick you mentioned him, but i want to touch on turn armstead for a second um this is something i kind of wanted to tweet about and talk about but i didn't know the right way to say it because i don't want this to sound like he quit on his team we know Teron armstead has been dealing with a very painful toe injury this entire year right every week he's practicing maybe one day a week if you're lucky do you think you know uh i wasn't worried about him staying in new york the fact that a doctor lives in new york breaking news that doesn't surprise me one bit so I wasn't all concerned about him staying in New York or anything like that odds are he could have flown anywhere to see a specialist but do you think you know middle of the first quarter you're sitting there you're Tron Armstead you know Skyler's battling there's a lot of pressure coming from the other side you're in so much pain do you do you think maybe there was some sense of hey let, let's let's just punt on this you know you're really banged up I mean we don't have our two of our quarterbacks back there let, let's get you on the sideline let's get you to rest up do you think there's any of that to it or do you think something specifically arose on Sunday that forced Armstead out of the game no and and I don't think that's anything against Armstead and I doesn't I don't think that takes into question you know his his, you know, toughness or anything like that. But I think that's more of a, I think that's more of a coach's decision. I think they looked at things and they were like, oh man, no Byron, no Xavier, no Tua, no Teddy. Now we don't have our right tackle in Austin Jackson. Our left tackle's banged up. You know, this is the Jets. Maybe we could still pull it out. And even if we don't, we, we go to three and two and it'd be better to get our players healthy, you know, later on in the season when we play some more, I don't want to say meaningful games, but games that really could decide whether we make the playoffs or not. Sure. Um, and I think, I think they looked into that and, and thought, eh, you know what, let's, let's err on the side of, of caution. And to that point, I almost feel like they're doing that and, and we'll get into it, but I feel like they're doing that this week again. Exactly. Um, when, when they're taking a look at who's injured and how important they are to the team and how that could affect other positions on the team. And, and I, I do think you're right. You know, coach Mike McDaniel said that 
that it was the plan all week for Teron Armstead to stay in New York after the game. So him getting injured and being removed from the game didn't actually change those plans. He was going to go see that specialist anyway. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, it went well, whatever, whatever well means, you know, we're not going to get a lot of info from McDaniel. That's not his style, but he said it went well. Um, but then today, you know, Wednesday, we didn't see Armstead at practice and there's a good chance he won't practice all week. And McDaniel has said that Armstead isn't a player who needs to practice for an entire week to play on Sunday. Uh, but he didn't practice last week and we saw how that went against the Jets. So if he doesn't practice again this week, um, you might want to consider holding him out for an entire game, get him feeling right. Uh, Cause we got a lot of important games coming up. It's only week six. It is only week six. And I mean, I know um, a lot of the focus is on the, the toe injury. I mean, let's be honest, guys, when he signed here, maybe it was just us, you know, being blind homers sort of kind of, but um, he has always been injured right throughout his career. Yeah. I mean, there were always games that he missed. So um, you, I guess you'd rather miss these games early on, like you said, in week six, get that thing right for the, you know, the potential playoff push. But right now, man, that Dolphins offensive line, you know, they're, I don't want to say it's in shambles, but it's pretty damn close, right? I mean, they brought Brandon Shell up. He allowed seven pressures on 33 pass blocking snaps. And then Greg Little, I mean, he's been a revolving door, it seems. I mean, I think when Austin Jackson first went down, I may have said, you know, is there going to be that big of a drop off between Greg Little and Austin Jackson. Uh, spoiler alert, yes, I believe there is. So um, hopefully, has Austin Jackson done anything meaningful? Like, has he been back on the field yet, spotted anything? Either of you heard that? I think uh, this week he's slow, slowly okay. has been, Sorry, been the keyword. Sorry, I anything. So yeah, I wasn't sure. So I, um, I did see one tweet, so take it with a grain of salt, but I saw here. one tweet. I want to say it was from Marcel Louis-Jacques uh, that they did see Austin Jackson on the practice field today in a very limited fashion. So um, I haven't seen that confirmed from multiple sources and we haven't seen the practice report from the dolphins. This is, uh, you know, 4 PM Eastern right now that we're recording this. So if it does come out and we do end up being wrong and, and Austin Jackson did not practice, we apologize, but I did see one tweet that did say he was out there in a limited fashion today. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Poor Brandon Shell. Listen to this. This guy ain't no rookie. This ain't no guy that they just pull off the practice squad. Brandon Shell entered the game on Sunday with 3,894 career snaps at right tackle, 61 at left tackle. So poor guy having to go in there. And to consider all this, that you have a combined 12 pressures from your uh, two tackles there, Skylar Thompson only being sacked twice, good on him. I mean, all things considered, you ain't practicing. You don't, you probably have, throwing maybe five balls to tie your kill in your life and the, to go out there. I, I was satisfied enough. I ate a Snickers. I was content. All right, we did it. We got the Jets out of our system. We flushed the toilet. Let's get into some positives. While Xavier Howard did not play on Sunday, he did say he will be playing on Sunday against the Vikings. Byron Jones still completely missing MIA, but I mean, it's apparent what having Xavier Howard on the field does to your defense. Hopefully he's not looking like the Michelin man with his legs so wrapped up. Guys, to have that leader, to have that captain, what does that do to the defense? Because, I mean, you can blitz more. You could just call different coverages simply. 
Yeah, I think it's huge, especially against a team like the Minnesota Vikings who are going to have Justin Jefferson uh, out on the field. Uh, I was messaging you guys on Sunday uh, talking about how we really need to make sure Xavier's good for this game against the Vikings because Justin Jefferson had 10 catches at halftime mm-hmm. last weekend. 10 for over 130 yards at halftime last weekend. He is... Uh, in my opinion, the best receiver in the game. Uh, so you want to have your best corner in the game. And I know he has struggled this season and he hasn't been healthy this season, but I'll take a Xavier Howard at 75% over just about any other defender, especially mm-hmm. defensive back on this team at a hundred percent. So we need Xavier out there, his return this week. And he has said, stated in no uncertain terms that he will be playing uh, against the Vikings. So if we can get, the other guys, Nick Needham, Cater Kohu, to to lock down Adam Thielen on the other side, who's having a bit of a down year. Uh, I like our chances a lot better, um, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it means everything, I think, to get Xavier Howard back. You know, what he could do to lock down the receivers, allow that pass rush that we've been missing over the weeks to, you know, get home. But, um, you know, when you got a playmaker like Xavier Howard, like Merrick said, going one-on-one with Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in the game. I mean, you need him out there because I think Darth Cater looked pretty good in his, you know, debut, I guess, starting. Was that his debut, maybe? Uh, Nick Needham, I mean, he's been up and down all year. But like you said, Merrick, at even 69% uh, Xavier nice. Howard out there. Yeah, nice. I, I was thinking that before he even said 75%. But just to have <laughs> him out there, I mean, I don't think he's going to be healthy. We've seen him nicked up throughout the beginning of the season. We saw him get beat by Bateman and some of these other uh, receivers. Just to have him out there to kind of slow down a Justin Jefferson match up one-on-one, I mean, I'm excited to see that. So I'm glad he's back in the lineup. Glad he's, you know, being that team captain and that leader who's saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure I'm back out in there that field and, and you know, give it my all for this team. Speaking to the concept of team captains, there's one injury that we're going to spend so much time talking about, and we're going to get to that. Uh, but I want to run through a couple things here because there's a lot we want to talk about today. Uh, Mike McDaniel said both Xavier Howard and Tron Armstead are hoping to play on Sunday. Tyree Kill is out of his walking boot. Additionally, we got an interesting Tyree Kill note. Tyree Kill and the Caps captains decided to remove the ping pong table from the locker room, you talk about that fierce competitiveness from Xavier Howard that gets you jacked up the no doubt I'm playing no matter what. Tyreek Hillman has been a, nothing but an absolute perfect captain for this team. You know, you hear about receivers. We've signed massively big contracts to wide receivers, and this has just felt so different. Not only does Tyreek Hill, he talks, he acts like a leader. Obviously, you still get that cocky confidence, rightfully so. But man, this guy, since he was traded to Miami, has been nothing but an absolute leader. And, and that's been jacked up to see. And I think that's definitely worth noting one more time. Yeah, and I think a lot of people were concerned about Tyreek Hill's, you know, diva persona when he got signed to Miami and people were worried about, Oh, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be throwing him the ball. So he's going to get frustrated, you know, with Tua and and possibly Teddy and now Skyler. Uh, And, you know, if he doesn't get enough targets, if they're spreading the ball around to, to Waddle and Gesicki, then he's going to start complaining. But to your point, Jake, he has been a model citizen since coming to Miami. He has been that leader. He's been that example for his teammates and, You know, it may sound like a silly thing taking the ping pong table out of the locker room, but I remember when people were, you know, when the Dolphins were winning, 
not that long ago, just a couple weeks ago, but uh, when Dolphins were winning and, you know, there was a lot of talk about the ping pong table bringing the camaraderie, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, wait till you lose a game or two and we'll see how uh, how they feel about this ping pong table. And sure enough, it gets taken out of the locker room and there'll be no more ping pong in South Florida. It's been banned. Yeah, that, that was one of the cooler things he said at his presser. I think it's funny. I was going to joke. Maybe Tyreek Hill's kids want a ping pong table. And he's just like, you know what, guys, I'm taking this. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking this. <laughs> I'll take this home. But, I mean, it, it really does mean everything. I think that, you know, Mike McDaniel, mentioned, like Jake said, the walking boot coming off. So, um, Skylar Thompson, first game, you know, first start. You need Tyree Kill out there, right, to have any chance, any snowball's chance of winning this game. You need a Tyree Kill out there. A Jalen Waddle, who, you know, we haven't seen targeted as much with Tua Tungvalu out of the, the lineup. So I'm all for Tyree Kill and the way these captains are handling himself. And Tyree Kill has just been, you know, worth every penny since he arrived. Um, believe he has 524 yards on 38 receptions and the two touchdowns. So absolutely has been everything we asked for and more. And um, that persona, that diva mentality that maybe I know I thought he might have is completely out the window. Yeah, it's like a multi-week ping pong tournament they're in the middle of it, the in the middle of. So I thought that was kind of cool. And hey, worst case, if everyone's really sad, you can just wheel in a ping pong table, right? Those things got wheels. That's no problem at all. Gentlemen, the quarterback debate. Let's do it. Let's have it. Let's Mike McDaniel it. came out and said that Tua is returning to the field. He is in step four of the concussion protocol. I want you both to shut up. Nobody knows what that means, but it's a good thing, damn it. Um Teddy Bridgewater still working his way through the concussion protocol. And the big thing I guess that came out is that Mike McDaniel feels more comfortable starting Skyler with a full week of practice compared to Teddy with the possibility of no practice at all. And that's kind of the alarming thing. I think we all got that huge jolt of excitement hearing that Tua's back on the field. I think seeing him just on the sidelines at Hard Rock Stadium is going to, I think that even impacts the spread to be completely honest. It won't, but I think it should. How do we feel about this? If they're taking this, you know, long-term approach, like let, let's take one more week, let's slow everything down. Steelers, Sunday night football next week, we're going to be ready. We're going to come firing off at all cylinders. Merrick, I want to start with you because I know this is a topic that you were already starting to fire off those Twitter fingers in the DMs about. I was hot. And that, <laughs> when, when that news came out this morning, I was, I was upset. Mainly I feel bad for Teddy Bridgewater, who is a Miami native, dreamed all of his life starting – uh, he wanted to be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He finally got that opportunity against the Jets. And because of this silly new concussion rule, um, and maybe the rule's not silly, but the way it was applied was silly in this case. Uh, and uh, he was pulled from that game. And now, essentially, it's costing him two games because Mike McDaniel doesn't want to start a quarterback who gets limited practice reps, uh, and he feels more comfortable starting Skylar Thompson. I don't know if I buy all that. I'm going to be honest. I think this has a lot more to do uh, with the preservation of Teddy Bridgewater than it does with winning the football game against the Vikings. I almost feel like Mike McDaniel is punting on this game. Uh, now, this was I, I did develop this opinion before uh, it was said that Xavier would play. And so I thought to myself, well, if Xavier's not going to play and Teron Armstead's not going to play, that means that Skylar Thompson's going to be playing catch up all Reasonable. day, or whoever the quarterback is, is going to be playing catch up all day, throwing the ball a ton because the Vikings offense will score against a Xavier list defense and still probably will with Xavier out there because we don't have the other corner on the, on the opposite side. So with a quarterback dropping back as many times as the QB is going to have to do on Sunday, no starting left tackle, no starting right tackle. He's probably going to get hit a lot 
a ton. And if you look at who's more valuable, at least in my opinion, for the Dolphins for the rest of the season, that's Teddy Bridgewater because he's a nine-year NFL veteran. He's not a seventh-round rookie quarterback who has zero starts under his belt, may get his first this Sunday. Uh, and, and I feel... And they're paying him a good amount of money, too. I think mean, he's got $6 million to play this season as backup for the Dolphins, Teddy Bridgewater, that is. So if you have Tua as your starting quarterback, and hopefully, fingers crossed, he can come back against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and stick it to Brian Flores on Sunday Night Football. But uh, if you got Tua as your starting quarterback, who has a reputation for being somewhat fragile, he's missed multiple games in every season so far that he's been in the NFL, you want a, a quality dependable, reliable backup quarterback. And in my opinion, Teddy Bridgewater fits that mold more so than Skyler. So it almost feels, in my opinion, that Mike McDaniel is punting on this game, chalking it up as a loss, uh, and using it as a way to evaluate Skylar Thompson's future potential as possibly backup quarterback for Tua Tungabaloa next season and beyond. Yeah, I think the thing that bothers me most is the fact that, you know, again, Teddy stumbled. It was all based off a of stumble, and now he's missing this game. Teddy didn't stumble. No Teddy, stumble for Teddy. You're, you're right, but they're they're saying it was a stumble. It was the Montreal screw job all over again, right? Um, T Skyler Thompson, 19 of 33 for 166 yards and that bad interception. He had a pick that, you know, Tyreek Hill bailed him out of. But um, I, I think it I think he's honest in this you know, what he says about how he wants the guy that's preparing throughout the week. I honestly think that, you know, Mike McDaniel in his head likes what he saw to Skylar Thompson, you know, throughout the preseason, throughout camp and believes that, you know, with the right week of game planning, you know, maybe molding this offense a little bit around Skylar Thompson's athleticism. I mean, we all saw the way he tried to move around the pocket a little bit. You know, there were times where he looked like he wanted to scramble. I was going to joke let's set up a Lamar Jackson game plan for this guy, right, man, run some read option, let that run game take over. Because as we saw on Sunday, that run game, you know, with Raheem Mostert at the focal point of that, I mean, it looked great. So um, I, I can't sit here and say, I think Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins are going to beat the Vikings because that'd be absolutely crazy. But again, I go back to preseason, just how excited we all were to see him and to think, you know, okay, well maybe if this guy gets thrust into action, could this be, you know, our, you know, that, franchise you know that quarterback that you stumble upon it just becomes great how awesome would that be so um i know there's a lot of people that think that you know mike mcdaniel is just saying this and teddy bridgewater is going to start that game i i can say that right now confidently that i don't think there's any chance in hell teddy's starting right he will back up skyler it does sound like you know skyler was out there you know maybe if he struggles teddy sneaks in uh, again if he clears all his protocols but um as a long-winded way of saying that i think teddy's getting screwed and i'm excited to see what skyler thompson can do yeah, so I mean, this is such an interesting topic. I don't think there's any sort of right answer. This is where I'm going to spin my own web right here. Um, Mike McDaniel, I think it was Monday, Tuesday, he came out and said that he had no idea who the quarterback was going to be. Uh, today, he came out and said that uh, Skylar Thompson isn't like most rookies. He's 25 years old. That's something we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast. And it's worth noting that the average age in the NFL, we're sitting at about 26 years old. So Joshua, what is the most fancy dish you have ever made? Oh, that I've ever made. I thought we were talking about eating. The most fancy dish I ever made was probably I did a pan seared scallop for my wife. It had a um, butternut squash puree, and then it had like a coconut foam that I made with some, uh, you know, pieces of Fresno chilies and some um, 
uh, was it like micro cilantro? So that'd probably be the fanciest dish I ever made. The fanciest one I ever ate, man. I had a tomahawk steak the other day that was just a uh, wahoo that was just freaking money. So that's that's what I was going with with the answer. Dang, you rich, Josh. What'd that run you? I am not rich at all. That was like a, it was a share. It was for our anniversary. It was Applebee's. So it, was like, like one, it was like 120, 120 they share. That, they like, don't have Wagyu beef at Applebee's. <laughs> they might call but it that. It's dog man, food. you were eating good in your neighborhood, though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> hey, there it is. I like that. Josh, and, and can you confidently say that you ain't making any of those on your first day as a as a chef? Yeah, no way. No way. So let's say that is Mike McDaniel's offense with Teddy Bridgewater under center. You spend all year, you know, figuring out this offense. Let's make it real simple. Teddy Bridgewater, we cooked up some Chick-fil-A. A nice, okay meal, right? No one's going to complain after some Chick-fil-A. All this week, I think Mike McDaniel's been mashing peas. This entire week has been about mashing peas to spoon feed cotton. Skylar Thompson in a way that I don't think it'd work with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think it'd work with Tua. I see a situation where I think that Mike McDaniel had no choice. I got to start game planning for Skylar Thompson. And then as soon as you put Teddy Bridgewater in the mix, you start to wonder, are we going to have to do things differently? You have to get receivers on the same page. You got to teach Durham Smythe. Hey, are you going to get back under center and snap the ball? So to me, man, I just kind of look at it as a situation where McDaniel was in a, in a tough spot. You see what you have with Skyler, and he just got got to work mashing peas, getting him ready to hopefully have a full belly on Sunday. I mean, hopefully. It, best case scenario. <laughs> best Don't case, throw up those peas. That better be the best split pea soup that anybody's <laughs> ever eaten. Uh, I just – I'm – I'm, I'm nervous about it, but I liked what Josh had said earlier about focusing on the run game. I think if you're yeah. starting a rookie seventh round quarterback, you do have to focus on the run game. And Raheem Mostert got that going uh, 113 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown, added a reception for nine yards, uh, uh, good for 6.3 yards per carry. Man, I just did that from memory. How cool is wow. that? I didn't look at no notes. Uh, so hopefully it was right. Somebody's checking right now. You're good. ready to at me on Twitter. But <laughs> but he got the ground game going. Now, uh, unfortunately, fake-ass doctor alarm, Raheem Mostert missed practice today. So hopefully just a veteran <laughs> rest day due to the uh, amount of times he toted the rock on Sunday against the Jets, but he looked dang good. And I know uh, both of you guys own Chase Edmonds in fantasy, so sorry about that one carry for one yard. But <laughs> I, I do a most. I, my... <laughs> I, I do a most in a few. I'm in so many that I have to have him in one. But we also got to see Miles Gaskin, right? He had a there was a Miles Gaskin sighting. I didn't think we'd see that. I thought Lim Bowden at first glance. He had four carries for nine yards and two point two yards per carry. And you don't you almost wonder if you know they're going to start to you know lean. They paid Chase Edmonds a decent amount to be you know a one year deal to be that. I kept saying de facto RB1, but if you're not catching passes, you know, you're starting to see Miles Gaskin come in and show. I I, I don't want to say juice, but we saw a little juice, right? So, I mean, I feel like there's a leak in the box. Yeah. I want Zamir White. There's a Quandre White. The Quandre. Yeah, I feel like Chase, uh, his balls need to drop and he needs to stop dropping balls. That's how I feel. That's very meta. Um, <laughs> I just want to circle all back here before we wrap up. Um. Josh Houts' good friend, CJ Beathard. Let, let's talk about his 2020 <laughs> season and what Kyle Shanahan was able to get out of him. Uh, 787 yards, six touchdowns, and a QBR of 118.8 across six games. Uh, two starts in that time. That's kind of what I think is happening here. I think it's just really you're, you're tailoring a suit to someone who might have six arms and it's not going to fit anyone else, and you just hope it works. I, I kind of think that's the situation we are in. Uh, let's just pray that Skylar Thompson can beat hard. <laughs> Bethard, CJ Bethard. Uh, 
close to my heart was starting quarterback for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I live in Iowa. Uh, he did have his college teammate, George Kittle, uh, on that same offense in San Francisco. So he he did have a familiar face. Uh, unfortunately, Skyler does not have that. But you're right. Uh you know, if he has a full week's worth of practice and Skyler looked good in the preseason, albeit against fourth and fifth stringers, UPS drivers and insurance salesmen and nothing wrong with that, by the way. But, uh, you know, a week's worth of practice, maybe you, you, you tailor the offensive game plan to him. He gets more than, you know, 20 calls on the play sheet. Did you see that shot on the sideline? They're just taking cards out of the, out of the wristband. <laughs> so They're like, that ain't going to work. These scholars like, I don't know what the hell this play is. We're <laughs> yeah, not exactly. running that. I've never even read this one. So hopefully we can expand the playbook a little bit. And, and, you know, th- we're wearing our optimism hats right now. And, and, you know, he can look good. We'll see. We'll see. But, People got to keep it in perspective. It's very difficult to win in the NFL. It's way more difficult to win with your third string quarterback, missing your left tackle, missing your right tackle, missing your your top two cornerbacks uh, that take up 20% of your cap space. I just have to keep harping on that because I feel like Byron Jones it's, it's has very personally yes. reached into my pocket and stole my wallet. But uh, uh, it's it's very difficult to win in this league. But when all of those things are working against you, it's even harder. So if the Dolphins take an L on Sunday against the Vikings, the season isn't over. They're three and three. They're at Putting 500 all the money against the Steelers. We're three so and, much money on yeah, the Dolphins. We're three and three. Oh, and I cannot we, wait. We're three and yeah. three. And then we get to wear the throwbacks, right? I think they're pl- playing the Steelers on Sunday night football. I think that's the 50th anniversary of the 72 Dolphins. So, yep. um, you know, maybe Tua comes back with those throwbacks on. But I mean, to your point, Merrick, we don't even know if Teddy Bridgewater with everything that's going on with this offense, with the different pieces missing, if he could go out there and go toe to toe with the Minnesota Vikings. But I guess that would be one of those revenge games that we so much love to talk about. So um, I- I'm interested to see the way Mike McDaniel, you know, this guy that we all call, you know, an offensive mastermind, the Mad Hatter, whatever the hell you want to call him, can devise a game plan again around Skylar Thompson, who in college, I mentioned the rushing a little bit. I think he had 26 total touchdowns, 11 in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So he, and those were off the top as well, Merrick. So, I mean, there is, um, <laughs> so there is something there. And I also want to ask you, you bring George Kittle up every podcast you can, right? He probably has to listen to this, right? That's, you that's probably only get like $2 every time, right? That's only, that's only the second time. No, I, I, I would uh, highly doubt he listens to this podcast, but if you like, I'll send him a direct link and ask him what he thinks. <laughs> I'm sure he just find a way to burn the podcast. I, I don't know what happened there. The timer is less than one minute. And before we wrap up here, I just want to say, guys, it's great being back chatting some football with you. I want to apologize one last time that, you know, while – you know, it would have been miserable to talk about the Dolphins on Monday. I think it's still important. We only got 17 games a year. Uh, so we appreciate you, you know, dealing with us. And we were happy to be back. We'll be back on Friday with a preview show for the Finsider Radio. We can't say thank you enough for letting us be part of your day. Jake Mendel, Joshua Houts, Merrick Brave. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And most importantly, Fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins.
Cause we're the Miami. 